As we move into today's word, I'd simply ask that you uh, just pray with me for a moment as we get centered in God's grace. Gracious God, we simply ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be measured and found acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We shall not, we shall not be moved. We shall not, we shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. We shall not be moved. We shall not, we shall not be moved. We shall not, we shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the water. We shall not be moved. That song and the people who sang it changed the world that we live in today. But that song was one of those songs, one of those freedom songs, one of those songs that was at the heart of the civil rights movement, perhaps the most significant social change movement of the last 100 years had a song at the heart of it. A song that said, we shall not be moved like a tree, like a tree that's planted by the water. We shall not be moved. And those African-Americans and those um, white uh, civil rights leaders came together and marched on those places singing that song where that change needed to be happened. Help me out with the slides here. Julie, you see they sang it on the steps of courthouses, on the steps of the um, Supreme Court. They sang that song, We Shall Not Be Moved Like a Tree. They sang that song at lunch counters that needed to be open to all God's people and said, we will not be moved like a tree planted by the water. We will stay here until God's rain comes. They sang that song over and over again, sang it in the jail cells. They sang it in the midst of fire hoses and night sticks and threats against their lives. They sang that song over and over and over again. We shall not, we shall not be moved. We shall not, we shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water. We shall not be moved. Never make any mistake about it, but the civil rights movement at its heart was a biblical movement. Was a spiritual movement movement was a movement of God in our midst. Where did that symbol like the tree come from that empowered people to face great odds and great obstacles to be the people God had always called them to be? Where did that image came from? It comes right from the Psalms. The first Psalm. It's right there. It's the um, first Psalm in God's prayer book in the Bible. There is that image of that tree. Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water 
which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whether they do prosper. Whatever they do prospers. Like a tree. God says, be like a tree. That is church, it should be like a tree. A tree planted by the living waters that will bear its fruit in season. The tree is one of those central and most uh, important images in the Scripture. In fact, it's one of the first images and it's one of the last. You know the tree in Eden. It's the tree of knowledge that God sets in that garden and it's the one tree we're not supposed to mess with, but you know, you know how we be, right? We be messing with the tree. And so, um, for much of the scripture, it's that, that tree in the Garden of Eden. I've actually been to the Garden of Eden. Did you know that it's actually a real place? At least that's what scholars believe when they talk about that area. The Eden was where the Tigris and the Euphrates come together, that 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 place. And that is right there in southern Iraq. And in nineteen ninety nine I was I was there at the confluence of the Tigris and Euphrates and what may be the biblical place of um, Eden. And there was the tree right next to Adam's ice cream stand. <laughs> They've already fi- I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They figure out how to make a buck off of us tourists no matter where we are or what we're doing. But that tree, sometimes it's that tree that kind of holds our biblical image, but it's amazing in the Scripture that there in the very first chapters of Genesis is this tree that kind of is the tree of curse, the tree of sin, but we miss it that there in the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, there's a new tree. And there's a new blessing and a new promise, and it's that tree. That changes the whole world. That says in chapter 22, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing crops twelvefold, yielding its fruit in every month, And the leaves of that tree were for the healings of the nation. A new tree. At the end of that story that changes that first tree. And we live our lives between those two trees. And I pray that we're moving from the one tree to the tree of life. The tree whose leaves provide healing for the nations. Like the psalmist says, we are to be like a tree planted by the living waters. Jesus uses tree-like imagery to refer to His relationship with us. In John, He says, I am the tree. I am the vine. And you... You are the branches. And as long as you stay connected to me, you will produce fruit in this world that will save the lives of others. I am the tree. You are the branches. Stay connected to me. 
don't know about you, but I, I love trees. I love them. We had these two big maple trees in my front yard when I was a kid. We lived in those trees. Climbed them and played in them. And um, if my mother didn't know where to find us, the first place she always checked was the tree in the front yard. I read a story to uh, my boys about a tree. Charles Silverstein's book, The Giving Tree. Anyone ever read that book to your kids? The, The Giving Tree. Come, boy, play in my branches. The tree. I love autumn in particular. It's the only reason to live in Michigan, right? Right? It's too cold and too hot except for that six-week window when the trees are alive with color. I grew up in uh, northern Wisconsin, and uh, I grew up like in the uh, northern part where it's all pine trees. And uh, I remember as a high school football player, we'd get in this bus and we'd go to Wausau, Wisconsin. It was about an hour and a half away and you would dip beneath the pine ridge and into the valley. It was full of these green trees. And I remember as we were driving into Wausau to play football in those autumn days when we would make that turn into that valley and it would just be alive with color probably why I wasn't a very mean football player, because I was too busy dreaming about the trees out in the, out in the thing. You know, my coach, if my coach heard me say this right now, he'd be really disappointed, although it would explain a lot. But there's just something about trees. We are to be like trees. The imagery is rich, and it's deep, and it begins with our roots. What are our Roots like. I got a great picture of some roots here. See some roots. Roots. They are the things that are below the surface. They are the things about a tree, other than some of that evidence right at the top, you simply cannot see. And yet, the roots, the thing you cannot see about the tree, are the most important thing of the tree. Without its roots, it does not survive. Without the things we cannot see, it does not survive. Roots are to be deep and wide. Deep. Thank you to Wikipedia. I now know that the deepest root system in the world goes nearly 200 feet deep. It's the roots that feed the tree and sustain the tree and keep the tree alive. How deep are our roots? How deep do they go? And where are we to be rooted? We are to be rooted in Christ. To be rooted in Jesus. To be rooted in His teaching, in His words, in His Spirit, in His life. How deep do our roots go? The deeper they go into the person of Jesus, the more like the real roots of a real tree, we too will be fed and sustained, and kept alive. Are you rooted in Jesus? In His words? In His teachings? In His Spirit? Look, in the next couple of weeks, for some offerings of some new opportunities to get rooted in God's Word. 
to get rooted in God's community and in God's Spirit. For if we are to be like a tree, it's the things that the world around us doesn't see that's going to make this place most alive. Are you rooted in Jesus? Not only are our roots to go deep, they are also to expand wide. Just as Wikipedia told me that the deepest root system goes 200 feet deep, did you know that the longest root system, some prairie wheat grass from Kansas, can expand some 350 miles? 350 miles of roots. The wider the root system, the better the tree is going to be anchored in a place. It keeps it standing firm. It allows it to give support and stand strong. Where are we rooted? You heard Teresa's dream about where she hopes this church will be rooted. Rooted right here, deep and wide into this neighborhood. I loved that image of what this church could look like. The place where all the bikes are, where all the basketball hoops are, where the Kool-Aid never runs dry. Boy, if I, I, if I were to write the Bible, I'd have the, the land of never-ending Kool-Aid. Right? Wouldn't the kids come to the land of never-ending Kool-Aid? But it's not the Kool-Aid, it's the connection and the love. Where are we rooted? How wide and how deep do we go? Do we know the people of this neighborhood? Do we know their issues and their pain, their gifts and their needs? A church without deep roots in its neighborhood and community will quickly fade into an unrepresentative intellectual sect. Without deep roots in the community around you, you will quickly become an unrepresentative intellectual sect. Let's get rooted. Friends, how deep are our roots? How wide are our roots? But it's not just the roots of the tree that make the tree the tree. It's also its branches. Think about its branches. The branches of a tree provide shelter and shade. Remember that great parable Jesus told? about the branches of a tree. He said, you want to know what God's kingdom is like? God's kingdom is like a mustard seed, the smallest of seed. But when you plant it in faith, in in the ground of God's possibility, one day that little mustard seed will grow into a tree. It will grow into a tree bigger than you could imagine. And in its branches, the birds of the air that have no place to call home will all of a sudden have a place to rest. If we are to be like a tree, we are to have branches that provide shelter and shade for each other and for those who yet have a place to land. What a vision for the church. Branches. Where those who have yet to find a place to land all of a sudden have home. Here's the amazing thing about trees. is Trees change with the season. Trees figure out 
how to adapt from, from spring to summer to autumn to winter. Trees adapt with the seasons around it. They know how to weather the change. Are we like a tree that can change with the seasons around us? How are we weathering a change of season? Trees have this amazing ability to adapt. To adapt in order to survive in the season that is around us. What season does Redford Aldersgate find itself in? And how should our tree look? There's a country song that I like. It's called Strong Enough to Bend. Anybody know that country song? you got to come out and do karaoke with me sometime. I'll sing it for you. I'll sing it for you. Um, I think there's a slide there. Strong enough to bend. The amazing thing about trees, you ever seen a tree that can bend like that? Bend in the wind and bend in the rain. Trees have this strength that is so strong that it's able to be flexible in the storm and in the winds and the ice around it. How are we changing with the seasons? Are we strong enough to bend? But perhaps the most important biblical image that the tree gives us is not the roots or the branches or the change of season, but it's about the fruit. We are to be fruit. You're all supposed to be a bunch of fruit. You're a bunch of fruits. If anyone didn't tell you that, if you go home today and they say, what did the pastor say? pastor said I was a fruit. pastor said I'm fruity. That we're supposed to be fruity. Jesus says, that's how you will know them. That's how you will know my people, Jesus says. You want to know my people, he says, right there in John 7. By their fruit, you will recognize them. By your fruit, you will know them. Do, not, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. By their fruit, you will know them. By their fruit, you will know that they are mine. And what is that fruit supposed to look like? Galatians, Paul says it, the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, is goodness, is faithfulness, is gentleness, it's self-control. That's how we are to be known in the world. That is the fruit of our lives. How fruity are you? How fruity are we? <laughs> I'm pretty fruity, aren't I, Gene? I know, I know. I'm glad you still love me. <laughs> That's probably up for debate, but we'll, we'll talk about it after the service. I don't know why I'm talking to this congregation about trees. Because you know something about trees. You know something about how a tree can symbolize more than just the tree. For there's a tree in this life of this church that I've learned about since I've been here that I know says more about who this church is than maybe anything else I've encountered since I've been here as I've learned the story of that tree. I've learned the story about you. 
And I want to remind you of that story today because I think as we embrace the story of that tree, it'll help point us to the way that God is calling us to be in this new season that we find ourselves entering into. So I'm going to get out of the way here and uh, um, they're going to play the video here. They're going to get the lights down and uh, I'm going to let uh, Kim tell you the story about this tree. Please work. She was uh, a beautiful baby, and, uh, you know, she just, she was just amazing. She's gorgeous. She's always beautiful. Uh-huh. Had beautiful, blonde, curly hair, and um, her hair was a big trademark thing. So one time Jim was going to take the kids for haircuts, and they were loading up in the car, and I went, wait a minute, you cannot cut that child's hair. So uh-huh. she had her first official, like, salon haircut was probably about six months before she passed. So I figured, because I took her to the salon, I wasn't working at the time, I took her up, you know, up to the salon, they did the whole business with her, you know, did the hair, layered it, all that, so it was very cool, it was a fun, fun experience for me, did her nails and everything, so. What about you? She was, uh, Reverend Diana referred to her as the Energizer Bunny, that was kind of what, she just kind of kept going, 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 um, she we probably had five years of borrowed time with her because she was very sick at seven, and she just she kept going. And, and um, so we wanted to do something um, first of all that was just a representing of her being alive, and because um, they had, you know, we talked a few, uh, tossed around a few things, and um, so I just thought have it be a part of the kids. The Sunday school kids, Jimmy and I went and got the tree. Um, the kids helped to plant it. Um, the kids did, we did a prayer. Um, the kids released balloons, and it was just a kind of a group thing. And then they decorated it from Christ- at Christmas and Easter ever since. Um, but I think because the kids just had such a strong um, emotional tie to her that we just decided that it would be something that we'd tie in you know, with them. And when I went, and I can't even remember the man's name, but when I went up to figure out where we're going to plant it, um, it was one of the men from the men's club, and he could even since be gone. I don't even know. But we, I mean, we walked around the entire church, and he finally just said, this whole corner needs to just be where this is going to be. I'm like, this is perfect. And he's like, it's the entranceway. It's where the accessibility, you know, project began. This is the perfect place. And so, I mean, we probably, for two... Two hours, we're going here and there, and go. We were going to do something in the front, and so it was just. He just finally just said, "This is where it needs to be. That's it." And it was perfect. I mean, I couldn't have picked a better spot and place for it. So we just wanted something that represented beauty and living, and just you know, just something that was. I didn't want to turn it into another cemetery plot. I wanted it to be alive, and I wanted it to be vibrant, and I wanted it to be something I could look at every Sunday and not be sad. You know, I could think about her being with us. And the tree should remind the church that nobody is ever dead. Everybody lives on until, for, well, not until. Everybody always lives on. I think Jesse, no end of hope is what I think of, I guess, is that, you know, you can be dealt such a, um, you know, you want to call it a lousy hand. 
and you can still, you know, participate in things and do things and be loved. And, um, you know, it just, uh, one of my friends said that, uh, you know, she spoke volumes without ever saying a word. And I think that that kind of just summarizes, you know, it was like hope and peace and just, and resilience that you can just, you know, I used to find it somewhat, I mean, ironic when I, Reverend Diana would have the healing services. I mean, she'd be five years old, one up there with, you know, everybody else that was probably, you know, 14 times older than she was. But that was just what we did. And it was accepted. And acceptance. Acceptance probably is the biggest thing. Just she was accepted for what she could do and couldn't do. And nobody really thought anything different. So, and it just made us, we had so many friends and just so much support. It was unbelievable. You pass by it every day when you walk in to this church. Jesse's tree. It's your tree. It's our tree. It's the tree in the end of Revelation. It's the tree that we are called to be. Not just be for this one family. As Kim said to me yesterday, it is my hope that every family would have a church like my church. That they would extend themselves out to everyone so that they too would know that they have a place to call home. Jesse's tree reminds us that this place is for kids. To be about kids. That's why that camp, we want to be that tree for other kids. It's about inclusion and about acceptance. It's about accessibility. The whole front ramp and the elevator and all of that was because Jesse taught us what it would mean to make sure that this place was open to all God's children, whatever it takes. And hope. Why all this talk about trees today? Well, as we gathered and prayed about a new symbol and a new vision for this new season that we found ourselves in. Everything that we said we wanted to be about was symbolized in the story of that tree. And all that it would mean for us and to us. And at church council last month, we presented this idea that this tree would now be the tree that would sit on our letterhead and sit on our website and sit on our business cards. And um, this tree begins to symbolize who we are, but most importantly, who we want to be. Be like a tree, the Scripture says. And if you're wondering what kind of tree to be like, Remember that tree when you walk in and out of this building, for now you know its story. And now you know what kind of tree we are supposed to be.